Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To play a part in their life that gives them access to safe water and now they don't have to suffer through illness and can go to school and get an education. And man, it was so humbling. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello guys and welcome back. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen in today, whether you're you're walking, riding, running, I don't know what you're doing or where you're at, but thank you for dialing into another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. I'm sure most of you, if not everyone, has heard of the brand Thank You. They started off selling thank you waters towards ending global poverty. Well, today I'm very excited to bring onto the show Jared Burns. He is one of the co-founders of the Thank You brand. I'm looking forward to getting him on the show. We're going to talk about all things thank you, his earlier life, where his serial entrepreneur habits came from, and how one product ended up into 50 products, donating upwards of $6 million globally to help more than 800,000 people from around the world. I want to explore what it was like spending 10 years at a company that he co-created to then stepping back and going on his own journey, how that felt actually letting go. Because for a lot of us as humans, we don't like letting go and we don't like change. But Jared is walking proof that we can all change, we can all let go and live a very fulfilling life. He's going to share some of his tips and tricks that worked for him. I also want to talk to Jared about the ups and the downs of being an entrepreneur and the thinking and and all that stuff that goes on behind closed doors and how that makes you feel. If you're in the middle of starting your own project or you're a serial entrepreneur, this is the episode you definitely want to dial into. We're going to get some really, really good little nuggets of wisdom that we're able to share with you guys so you can take away and implement them in your own life. But without any more rambling on, let's get Jared on the show. Welcome, Jared. How are you, mate? Hello, good, good, mate. Great to be on here. Thanks for having me on. I met you at an event for, I think it was the Flight Center Group in Sydney a couple of years ago, and we were on a panel and we were, we were speaking, and and we obviously got to meet. I'd heard a thank you for a number of years prior to that, seeing the great work that Thank You does, and seeing it on shelves in grocery stores and and things like that, which was awesome. But I hadn't really spoken to anyone from the organization and and knew exactly what what was going on and. How do they get to be this big, great social impact organization and, and coming from, you know, living and when we started, you know, we started in 2013 and, and thank you started in 08, which was just in the middle of the GFC, believe it or not. Yeah, perfect timing. I want to dive into that, mate, and find, you know, how did that all come about for you? Because I know, you know, my story, you know about living, you know why living started after the death of a good friend and we were trying to turn something negative into something positive, but 
your interest in entrepreneurship, getting into a social impact organization with thank you and, and coming up with those ideas and why and where you start. I've just got so much I want to speak to you about, mate. So where do we start? Mate, let's get into it. Why don't we wind it back to when I was about maybe 14 or 15 years old. The passion for entrepreneurship kind of kicked off then. Um, I'd always been interested in the idea of just creating something from nothing, creating money from from an idea, just just how do you go about that? So I was always working from a pretty young age. I did um, paper rounds at my mum's hospital and I worked at McDonald's. I was flipping burgers at the back and just always interested in, in that kind of concept of generating cash, to put it really simply. So my first business, I guess, was selling Coke out of my locker in school uh, when I was in year 10. Is that even legal, mate? It depends what type of Coke you're talking about. <laughs> but um, for, for me, it was, it was definitely Coca-Cola. Uh, Fanta and the, the whole range, but it was a good business. You know, I'd, I'd pick up cans from the supermarket on sale for about forty cents, and and flip them for a dollar fifty in the locker. Canteen was selling for two bucks, so I kind of had the had the market there. And then I had this speedy little bloke, Daniel Flint, start up a similar type of of shop in his locker, and he started selling Coke cans, and we're going back and forth. Who can capture the market? He then one day got a letter from the canteen going, cease trading immediately uh, we know what you're doing i don't know who tipped them off but then i had the market again so i was pretty wrapped so that was the first little dabble into entrepreneurship dan and i stayed friends since then and uh, we launched our first business i think we were about 18 or 19 years old at a school called curb print solutions so we were both working traffic control dan was working one day uh, doing the old stop slow uh, lollipop man job and um and he, he noticed this guy running down to the curb and spray painting something on a curb and then running to the next house and spray painting again. So he went up to the bloke and he goes, what are you, what are you doing, mate? He goes, oh, mate, I'm just killing it. I'm spray painting uh, house numbers on the curb for people. They pay me 20 bucks to do it. And they're like, what are we doing, doing traffic control for? Let's do this. So we registered Curb Print Solutions, hit the road, and I think we sold maybe three little spray painting jobs after a good three or four days on the road. Uh, so really slow. One was to Dan's parents, uh, one was to my parents, and um, then one was to a, a lady in uh, eastern suburbs of Melbourne. So not successful, and uh, we definitely didn't have the uh, the patience or the persistence to carry that on, so we, we wound that up pretty quick. So I guess the idea of entrepreneurship was kind of just in there. Post that, Dan came to me one day and just said, mate, I've got an idea. There's a huge issue in the world around the world water crisis, Hundreds of millions of people don't have access to, to clean water. Thousands are dying every single day. I think it's 4,500 kids are dying every single day just because they don't have access to safe water. That's around the world. That's globally, yeah? Around the world. Wow. Uh, so just, just crazy numbers worldwide. So the idea was, what if we create our own brand of bottled water and give 100% of the profits to aid and development programs around the world? funding wells, filtration systems, that kind of thing, trying to give access to safe water for people who should just have it. I was immediately hooked on the idea, obviously loving business, and then I guess in, inside of me always wanting just to help people. Uh, I think that came from a, a really early age. I, I grew up with parents who loved to help people, you know, gave to the local charities, that type of thing. Um, the inner want to help people less fortunate was always there. I remember we, we saw videos early on when we were coming up with a concept around, you know, children walking kilometres and kilometres a day, like kids our age walking, you know, four, six, eight kilometres a day to get dirty water to then bring back to their families. 
and Dan saw this video of this one kid, same age, bringing this, this water back, and it ended up killing his, his two younger sisters. So just like these, these stories which we just could relate to and connect with. You know, I've got an older sister, Dan's got two younger sisters. We couldn't turn a blind eye. Yeah, we just needed to do something. I find it very fascinating, mate. And the reason why I ask that question is because most people that I'm able to connect with, and I'm very grateful to be able to connect with all over the world, especially through living and, and the work that you know I do and we do and whatever else, I feel like a lot of people set up organizations and, and nonprofits or charities or social impact organizations or social purpose organizations, whatever you want to call them, because they've had trauma in their life or they've come through something yeah. where they're trying to turn a negative into something positive. You're the perfect example of, you know, this wasn't something that was near and dear to your heart in terms of you, you've suffered it personally, but you could relate to it on a number of different fronts, which drove you to, to be super passionate and purpose-driven from this, which is inspiring because a lot of people wait for something bad to happen for them to flick a switch in their mind and say, oh, shit, I need to do something now, which is on one of them, you know? I was on one of them. I find that quite inspiring, like being able to sit back and go, I want to help, I want to give back, and this is what I can do, and this is how we can make it work. Yeah, it was a different approach. It probably wasn't until I think the third or fourth year in the journey that we were even able to go overseas where we had been funding for three or four years. So it wasn't even that, like we hadn't, we hadn't been to Africa and seen the need or anything. We just watched a couple of YouTube videos. Where did it start? Did it start in someone's house? Did it start in, in a kitchen? Yeah, yeah. We, we met at um, Dan's lounge room. Dan's family lounge room was, was a uh, pretty frequent place we would meet at. You know, we'd get stock into Dan's garage, parents' garage was just lined with stock of, of bottled water and anywhere we could meet, mate. You know, we'd have big gatherings. I think at Justine's house one night, we had about 20 volunteers in the room just you know, brainstorming launch ideas and trying to just gather the people and get as much groundswell as possible. So, yeah, very humble beginnings in terms of raising funds. We didn't really do it. Dan had a mentor who gave us, you know, a $20,000 check just as a gift, just inspired that we hadn't, you know, waited and, and gone, you know, we need, we need a million bucks before we're going to launch. But it was more that, like, let's just start acting and then the strategy will come. Like, let's just take action. And then we'll figure out the way. His mentor was inspired by that, gave us 20K. And that really kicked us off. And then with just some, I guess, clever way of structuring deals with suppliers and, and customers, we're able to kind of run a, a cash flow positive business from day one. When you say clever ways of structuring, what do you mean exactly? Because that was your role, wasn't it? In procurement and whatnot? Yeah, that was, that was kind of my gig. So I looked after supply chain and the commercial side of the business. We started off everyone doing everything. And as you can imagine, and as you probably experienced, that's just a mess. We divided it up pretty quickly into areas that we were naturally gifted in or just passionate about. And I kind of fell into numbers and, and supply chain. So, I mean, the way we would structure deals, it's really simple. Basically, the idea would be that we never want to have to pay a supplier until we've been paid by customer. So we would make sure that the terms we have with our customer, call it 30 days end of month, you get paid by customer. We then only want to pay our supplier 45 days end a month for that stock. It's a really simple concept. To get people over the line with that can be tough. But I think from you know, the vision and the impact that we're making, people have a really good heart. You know, deep down, people are good people. You know, a lot of people just wanted to help as well, and they're excited to be part of the journey. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. And I guess given the purpose and what you guys have set out to do and to achieve people would understand that these guys have certain payment terms and this is how they operate and we just got to work in with how they work. Otherwise, this isn't going to work. So I think, I think that's really important, mate, and, and good stuff. Do you think 
if you weren't given the 20K check by Dan's mentor, Daniel Flynn's mentor, mm. it would have been a different story of this. Do you think that was a, definitely a breakthrough for you guys or that, wasn't, that was just a little bit of icing on the cake? Look, not to take away from that mentor at all, like incredibly generous man or, or um, pair of men, business partners. But I think we always stood by the idea that if, if the idea is good enough, the money will come. We knew this thing wasn't destined to fail, that we had a really great idea and, and a good team. And we knew that, yeah, if it wasn't the mentor, then it would have been someone else or we would have found it somewhere else. I would have got a job and, and paid for it. Like it was going to happen. It was more just a when and, and how. And for the most part, money, I believe, is a byproduct of the great work that gets done. And I think if you're passionate about something and you believe in something, and as you said, you've got something that you know will work, it's going to be successful one way or another, as long as you've got the right team and the right people in your corner. I'm really interested, Jared, mate, to really find out, I mean, not going over to places like Africa where you're funding wells, and that's where a lot of the, the profits were going you know, from bottled water. What was it like actually going there for the very first time, sort of seeing all these things on videos? What was that? What was that like in your mind, mate? How did that make you feel? It was mind blowing. The first trips were to Cambodia. We were doing some wells and filtration systems there, and just the most beautiful people. I don't know if you've been to to Southeast Asia, but Cambodia in particular, like obviously they've had a hell of a time with all of the just crazy crimes against humanity that has happened there is just unbelievable but still just the most beautiful people so welcoming so friendly and to have a part or play a part in their life that gives them access to safe water and now they don't have to you know suffer through illness and can go to school and get an education and man it was so humbling so so humbling and we always said like even if we just did this for for one family in Cambodia the fight and the, the three to four years of toiling and even now the guys are you know, it's it's not an easy easy slog, that's for sure. Like, it's a hard business to run, but even if it was for one family, amazing. And, and you would know the same thing. Like, you help one person, man, it's all worth it. You know, like that, that one soul. So Cambodia was, was a great trip, and I got to go to uh, Kenya and Burundi. And Kenya was a kind of a profound trip or like a transformative trip for me. My wife and I, we had, we'd been looking for a new rental in, in Box Hill North in eastern suburbs of Melbourne. And we walked into this one place, beautiful place, small little two-bedroom kind of unit. And the kitchen in particular was extremely small to the point when we're in the kitchen, albeit very new and shiny, very small. And we looked at each other. We're like, how could we handle this? And we walked out. We ended up putting it, putting an offer in and, and we got the rental. And then two or three weeks later, I was in Kenya. And this lady, Veronica, was showing us around her house. And um, super proud of her house and her dwellings. And she, I think she had five or six children. We went into this one section of her house. And when I say house, I'm talking like mud bricks up to about maybe six or seven foot tall. No roof, nothing. Like it literally looked like, and I, I mean this with no offense whatsoever, like a bomb site. Like the walls weren't even perfect. They'd like, they were kind of staggered up. Like it looked like a bomb had gone off in there, but so proud of it. So proud to bring people into her house, show us her kitchen, show us where she cooked her, her food and she offered us, uh, I think it was coffee or something she, she wanted us to you know, take part in. And for me, that was just a perspective shifter. Like two weeks ago, I'm complaining about this brand spanking new kitchen, but it wasn't big enough for me. Who am I? What am, what am I doing? What actually matters in life? And 
yeah, and it was it was a it was a great trip. I still remember that that exact moment. You would have felt really, you know, after the few hard years of slogging, like you said, man, you hit it on the head. It's all worth it. It's all worth those blood, sweat, and tears just to save one life or change one life. And it's amazing that you know you spent. Well, you got this off the ground in the first place, and were able to get to Cambodia after a few years, you know, and start seeing the work that was was getting done. And I think that would have made things a lot more rewarding. Yeah, hundred percent, life changing moments. That's for sure. As a co-founder of of Thank You, and I know you spent ten years in there before you departed. What was some of the highlights throughout your experience? Well, I, I guess the whole premise of Thank You was was never going to be just bottled water. Like the, the idea was always bigger than that. The idea was how do we shake up business and run things different to the way that they've always run before. So couple that with what are some major needs in the world? Obviously access to water is one, access to food and, and food security is another, health and hygiene and sanitation issues, maternal infant health um, programs. Like there's a lot of really basic human rights and needs that, that we wanted to kind of try and tackle. So at about the five-year mark, we came up with an idea to bring out a, a range of food, muesli, muesli bars, two fun food programs. We launched that. We also launched a range of body care and hand wash, hand sanitizer products, and then they funded health and hygiene uh, and sanitation programs. So I guess the, the milestone moment or, or one of the, like the, uh, the key moments in Thank You was, was a campaign we launched to get into Coles and Woolworths. We had the products. We didn't have a retailer, and we needed a retailer to fund the programs. Uh, that we wanted to fund. So we launched this crazy campaign. It started off with a video on Facebook of Dan and the team, us walking through this uh, this warehouse in out in Kensington, Victoria. And the whole premise of the idea was around, hey guys, if you want to see the, the thank you range stocked in Coles and Woolworths, then jump onto their Facebook page and tell them if they stocked it, you would buy it. Once again, really simple idea. But the masses just got on board. Thousands of people putting posts up, people videos, singing, rapping, dancing. Like it was just the, the lengths that people went to was mind blowing just to get the thank you products on shelf. We thought like, how do we get it off social media? Because social media is great, but how do we hit into kind of more mainstream media? And there's one idea, a crazy idea was let's fly a sign around Coles and Woolworths head office with a big sign saying, you know, thank you for, for changing the world if you say yes. Because then we hadn't met with him yet. So we pitched to these helicopter pilots. They jumped on board. They didn't charge us anything. We just had to cover the fuel. So we got that money from someone else. Because once again, if the idea is big enough and good enough, the money just, yeah, it just, just comes. comes. <laughs> and so these two helicopter pilots, one in Victoria, one in New South Wales, flew over Coles and Woolworths head office. I think it was a 10,000 square foot sign, 30 meters by 30 meters. It was just enormous. Up the Monash, as people from Victoria would know, is an absolute car park at at 8 a.m. in the morning, so they got a full view of it. And unbeknownst to us, we spoke to one of their directors. It was probably about two years after the campaign. And it turned out they were having a board meeting in the top floor <laughs> of that head office. <laughs> all the kidding. directors were chaired, but you couldn't write it. And they're all watching this sign just float around their building going, what the hell is going on here? That was a good time. So we ended up getting ranging. The public support was so great that Coles jumped on board, Woolworths jumped on board. They did their quickest product to market launches have ever done like i think within about four to six weeks product was on shelf which is just unheard of so from that campaign that you guys ran off just a, a really simple idea where people rallied behind and wanted to make it happen that was when 
you guys got to start in Coles and Woolworths with your products. That was it. Wow. That was it, man. We had pitched in through traditional channels a couple of times with the water product and just got knocked back. Yeah, and so that really launched, you know, the product or the product ranges into, you know, stores all across the country in Australia. And I mean, revenues would have grown, you know, exponentially from that. It was crazy, mate. Hundreds of percent year on year like it just it just kept on going like the the hockey stick curve was was really really nice so pointing in the right direction anyway another exciting little moment was obviously got Coles and Lewis on board and then we, we really wanted to tackle the child maternal health programs those issues around the world you know kids are dying every minute from really uh, preventable issues Maybe the, the place they're giving birth in isn't, isn't clean. Maybe they don't have the right drugs. Like it's just some really simple things that they just don't have access to uh, in, in a lot of these third world countries. So we wanted to, to try and help there too. So we launched a range of, of nappies and baby care products. And it was at a similar time to when we had our first child and we could really just relate really, uh, really clearly with, you know, with, with what was going on. Like Jess had a, had an interesting labor story and I'm sure probably any, any woman or husband listening who's been through it has got an interesting story. Like labor's just, just the most hectic thing in the world. Women have it a lot harder than us men. That's for sure. Mate, mate, we are so soft compared to women. That is for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I, I went to ask for some Panadol during my, um, my wife's labor, had a little headache and um, that didn't go down too well. Just got the uh, got the daggers, mate. What are you asking for, Panadol? Yeah, that would, that would <laughs> not have gone well do. at all. No, nah, not well, mate. <laughs> Might try it again for the birds. For <laughs> uh, mate, so with, with all, you know, obviously with the ups, you know, comes the downs in any any part of life, whether it's a successful business, whether it's a relationship or, you know, just the punches of life, I guess. Can you pinpoint anything in particular that was sort of a red flag or something that, you know, wasn't so memorable throughout your experience as a as a co-founder in a in, you know a multi-million dollar social impact organization that's huge. You know, what were some of the I guess experiences, or what are, what were some of the times that really rocked you, mate, or struggled you? Like, did you have anything throughout your journey that we, we had a really interesting couple year period? The business goes through a lot of change. Yeah, like every organization is going to go through change, especially startups. Like the thing is just constantly changing. So you got to adapt to that really quickly and be okay with that. A lot of people struggle with change. I learned to adapt with it reasonably well until it started kind of impacting me personally, I guess is, is kind of where I started to like, well, pump the brakes a little bit. Why are we changing so much? And there was a period towards the end where a lot of structures started changing, a lot of roles started changing, uh, a lot of new people were coming in. As the business grew, we had to had to scale up and get some expertise in the building, I guess. That kind of started impacting me. So my role changed from a really fluffy title, commercial director. What does that even mean? And I'm not one for titles at all, but basically what it, what it meant was I had a, had a lot of scope in, in a lot of different rooms, handling a lot of different things. And I really liked the variety. That was something which gave me a lot of fulfillment was just variety and being able to work on a, on a bunch of different things. That started to shift as, as the business grew. So it, it turned from that to more of a focus in supply chain. And I like supply chain, but I'm not a supply chain specialist. Not what I'm passionate about. Like I enjoy it. I enjoy getting product from A to B and, and making things work and seeing that through the whole supply chain. I enjoy it, but it, it doesn't bring me fulfillment just solely that. So 
my role changed to just that and then it it was going to shift again to an even more specialist part of of supply chain that may not seem to the to the listener as like a reason to to hang up the boots but in the background like we had a hell of a couple of years personally there used to always be these jokes around whenever Jess and I got on a holiday something would go wrong something always happened whether it was sickness or something would blow up with the business and you wouldn't be able to relax and I'd have to be doing stuff the whole time I'm on holiday. Like something would always just happen. The worst of it was probably a trip to Noosa. I think it was back in 2017. Went up to Noosa, second night we'd been there, got a phone call the next morning from the police, which is always good, down in Victoria going, your house has been broken into. Sorry to let you know. And so we're like, oh no, what a bugger. They said there's not much you can do. May as well just try and enjoy your trip and come home when you when you plan to come home. So we came home at the end of the trip. The place was an absolute bomb site. Like stuff was everywhere. They'd gone through literally everything, smashed my laptop, smashed my iPad just for fun. Left it sitting there, just smashed it. Stole thousands of dollars worth of jewelry. Stuff was just everywhere. Pretty annoying <laughs> to say the least. And really just invasive. And you just feel violated knowing that you know, there's four or five blokes who've just been rummaging through every drawer in your house. It was really, it didn't feel good. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And anyone who's been burgled would know that exact feeling, that that invasion of privacy, and that violation that you kind of feel. It wasn't too good. So that spun my head out massively. I didn't sleep for days. Like every noise I heard outside at night was just someone's coming back. You know, is that them? Are they coming back to finish the job? I've got a family, got a little daughter. What am I going to do? Like I was just, I was really kind of tripping out on it all. And I reckon I probably had my, my first anxiety attack, I guess, during that, 
that time I had to do a speaking engagement one morning and the night before I was just flipping out, man. You thought the burglary was, this stuff was being linked to what you were doing for work? No, no, not at all, not at all. Sorry, yeah, I might not have made that clear. It was, it was very separate, but just the, the personal side of things probably explains more why I ended up deciding to hang up the boots as well from Thank You. Yeah, so like kind of kind of flipped out during the, the whole burglary thing. We ended up moving house shortly afterwards. We couldn't stay there anymore. Apparently the cop, I had a nice V8, big SS Commodore. The cops were saying that these type of guys who, who burgle places love high-powered vehicles. So they were most likely looking for the keys to the car. So my whole concern was they know we're home. They know we've got the keys. They're probably going to come back and try and get the car. So I was just like, that story was just going round and round in my head. So we had to leave. We we moved to a, to another place in Chadston. And then four months after living in Chaddy, came home. It was another little staycation this time. Went down to the beach a couple of days after Christmas and um, and come home and, and the garage door wouldn't open. We're like, what's going on here? So Jess, my wife, walks inside and uh, smoke alarms are going off. Smoke, thick smoke everywhere. And we're like, what has happened? So call the fire brigade. The fire is coming in a couple of minutes. They're amazing. Came in, opened up the garage, and the switchboard had gone up and um, and put smoke everywhere. And the, the fire is reckoned at about, you know, 30 more minutes, the whole place would have been up. But the smoke damage was so great that we had to throw everything out. Everything wiped out, dry cleaned all the clothes and spent five grand doing that or some, some ridiculous number. But, yeah, everything gone, start again. And this is... Um, I think Jess might have been around 25 or 26 weeks pregnant with our second child at the time. So we're all gearing up, ready for like, get the nursery set up, get the little one ready to rock. And then we're forced to throw everything out and start again. So moved in with the parents, with her parents for a couple of months. And they were amazing putting us up. And, but then the whole, the whole thing, like, so we're in there for two months. The whole thing in the, in the head again is, you know, are we going to find a new place? So you're going through your own levels of anxiety and a little bit of, overthinking and stuff like that oh man could not turn the mind off like it's just spinning a million miles an hour a million miles an hour two weeks before jess is due by the grace of god and absolute miracle found a beautiful place to live in started again bought all new furniture again and uh, and kicked off but like that move into that that other place and then giving birth to josie came at the time when when everything at thank you was kind of going a little crazy too like I'm already starting to stress out and have that anxiety and, and started kind of going down a pretty pretty dark rabbit hole. So then couple that with with the stress and, and all the change at Thank You and feeling like an outsider in my own business, um, which was a weird concept to kind of to feel. I knew I had to do something. I wasn't in a good place. Everything was numb, just down all the time. Nothing got me excited. Nothing made me happy. I wasn't in a good spot. So knew I had to make a change for the sake of myself, sake of my family, and hung the boots up. So that's something which, which probably no one's ever heard before. But, um, mate, I, I love living. I love, I love what you're doing, mate. So if, if this story can, can assist anyone in their journey, mate, happy to, happy to share to the cows come home. Amen to that, mate. Amen to that. And I appreciate you sharing. And um, you're sharing wearing a living top, I see, too there, mate. Thanks very much for representing. That's the new facade T-shirt. That one's selling like hotcakes, that one too. As it should, mate. It's a ripper. This top speaks so loudly to me. I was living that. <laughs> I had the facade on. I was, mate, I didn't even speak to my wife about all this stuff. I just carried everything. I, I, was, I was a typical bloke 
just bottling everything up, push it right down deep and just put a happy face on. You know, and then when things start to unravel, it make the whole thing just came down. It gets very scary, doesn't it? It can get very scary, especially when when the people that are so close to you in your own life being, you know, in your position was your wife, Jess, and her not really having any idea what's going on. I mean, that's that's when it's scary because, like, you're, you're holding back, you know, and then you're fighting these demons alone. And you, you said earlier where you're in your own organization where you sort of felt like an outsider, so you had to sort of do something about it. How did Thank You get to that stage where it grew so big and people did feel like they were getting pushed away or pushed around and put into different jobs and the autonomy and stuff wasn't there. What, what do you put that down to? Getting too big too fast or what? what, what is it? Yeah, the, the growth, exponential growth. And I can't speak for anyone else and their journey, but for me, it was like the organization had just it almost outgrown me. Maybe it did. Maybe it outgrew me. I'm a big believer in seasons, for sure. Like there's seasons in life and you're here for one moment and then there for a the next. So I believe I played my part and, and my time, yeah, kind of just was, was up. So I don't think it was a poor leadership thing. I think it was just a, yeah, the company just just grew big, man. We had 50-odd products, 52 staff. Like it was a it was a solid organization and just needed, yeah, different skill sets and different ideas in there. And I guess that's what happens, mate, with, with a lot of organizations in the world. You know, you start off very small and, you know, I'm seeing it with, you know, for example, with Livin', you know, we started in, in my kitchen many years ago with t-shirts and now we've got you know seven odd staff and we're, we're looking to hire a couple more and we've got an office now and it is growing and you know one thing that we always keep in mind and and what's really important to us is ensuring that our staff you know feel very loved and feel very part of it and part of the organization like it's their own just like our community does and i think that's very important to create that culture so that people do feel as one rather than feeling like you're by yourself or you're trying to fight this battle alone because that that can get very lonely and then if you couple that with experiences outside of work it's really not that pleasant so i appreciate you sharing that with me mate i really do and i think being an entrepreneur like yourself i think you probably get a bit restless from time to time and you know i look at these things and you probably look back now going fuck this is the best thing that's ever happened to me you know i served my season in thank you i started something from nothing i got it to 58 staff and raising millions of dollars a year and now i'm able to step outside and take myself somewhere else and and do something brand new and on that note mate you are starting something brand new and i want to talk to you about that you started narrative lab is that correct we have mate yeah yeah well i took a bit of time off post thank you just to just to get the head decompress uh, back in order yeah and, and life back in order and how was that for you mate how was that transition for you mentally it was hard like it's hard saying goodbye to something you started I mean, you go through a roller coaster of emotions. You think you're right and you think you've, you know, you've forgiven the whole thing and the next minute something happens and it, it shoots you straight back down again. Like it's just, it's taken, I would say now I'm like, I'm good. Like I'm really good. Like all is well. I'm cheering the guys on for sure. They're kicking goals. They're doing great. Took a little while to get there. Hit the gym hard. I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, which is just great for from a mentality point of view, there is nothing else you can think about when you're doing that because the bloke's trying to rip your head off or break your arm. Like you have to just be 100% in that moment, which was really good for me. And just talking to my wife and um, started seeing a counsellor and talking to the boys and um, just getting their kind of insight and, and their thoughts. Like it was, it took some time. I guess they were some things that helped me get through that, that transition. Mate, I think for anyone, you've got to give yourself permission to feel like that. 
it's almost like your identity would be part of that. You know, your identity is what you've created almost indirectly, not that you've meant to. Oh, mate, everything was, everything was thank you. Yeah, like your thank you and thank you's you. And, and when, you, when you're sort of giving that off and you're stepping away from it and not even managing it from a day-to-day basis or having any calls and what's going on, it's, mate, I fucking reckon that'd be very daunting. I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes right now and I think that'd be very tough for, for anyone. So I congratulate you for being able to get through that transition, man, and, you know, walking through with your head held high, knowing the impact that you've done and the organization that you've you've created and the, the impact that you've had on so many people's lives all over the world, I think is a is a real, you know, testament to the way you handle the situation, mate, and the work that you do now into the future. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, on, onwards and upwards. Yeah, onwards and upwards. And mate, I was very fortunate enough to get one of your care packages actually from Narrative Lab. Smelling good? Yeah, mate, it's, mate, it smells amazing. Believe it or not, it's a funny story. You sent a couple of little items to me and one of them was a female's cologne and I You're not wearing that, are you? No, I'm not wearing it, but I gave it to I gave it to my uh, my missus as a gift. Good. <laughs> How good's that one? Did she know it was from you or from me? <laughs> yeah, it was from both of us. <laughs> from Jared and from Sam. But, mate, loves it. We all love it. I appreciate it, mate, sending it across. And what another a remarkable startup that you've, you know, you've got your brain invested in, mate. Talk to me about it. We, we came up with the idea back in Hong Kong, of all places. We were over there scouting what is a new product. They had a massive cosmetics show on back in, I think it was November of 2018, Cosmetics Expo. And we just started looking at our own lives going, you know, what are some products we love? We, we love great products. We love innovative products. We love cool products. What are some things which we use daily and, and can we put our spin on it and make it make it cool? We looked at perfume and aftershave and thought, what a great industry to, to give a little shake up to. For so long, it's been dominated by the big multis who, you know, fill the product with 70% of alcohol, keep their costs down, nasty products, parabens galore. It was due a little shake up. So we created a solid version of it called Narrative Lab. Uh, fragrances. So it's solid perfume, which is also customizable. So it comes in a in a cool little vessel. The product is made of like these plant-based oils um, solidified into a wax with the perfume embedded into it. And um, you give a little swirl and you can customize it between three different scents in the one little vessel. So you can really create your own scent off the base kind of fragrance that we sent you. So that's the product. It goes a little deeper than that when we talk about the naming strategy of it. So the names of the products are, you know, protect our fearless, crushing it, take the moment, awaken, like these words or, or sayings which are empowering of, of nature. So often in, in life, people speak negativity over you or you get boxed into a, into a little thing and all four of us who kind of kicked this off, three of us kicked it off, had kind of had that happen to us. So being boxed in or negativity spoken over, you can't do this, you're not good enough to do that. And so we thought, why, why not create something where you can have a moment every single day where you're putting on your fearless, you know, and, and that's the mentality that you're going to take for the day. You're putting on your protector, you're putting on your crushing it, and you're just going to go crush that meeting. So that was kind of the, the premise behind it all. We launched some rollerball perfume oils about three or four months ago. They're going well. It's a bit of a passion project. It goes pretty deep, but everyone seems to love it. The product's cool. I uh, appreciate your feedback. And yeah, it's going good. What I really do like about it is where you can you essentially can manage how you smell. So you get the base, then you've got those layers that you can put on it so it can be, become more intense or you know less intense. And now I do really like it, man. I, I think it's a great idea, another great idea that you've uh, 
you, you know you've masterminded them put together and I've got no doubt that you know it will be another success itself and looking back at everything that you've done over the years narrative lab is obviously the latest passion project that you're investing you know time and energy and probably resources into what do you believe for all of the listeners for all of our audience and for anyone who's going to dial into this what do you think is made up of of any necessary ingredients for someone who's willing to start their own venture whether it's a charity whether it's a just a business if it's someone working on a business right now that's thinking of giving up because it's not going anywhere what what's some advice and what's some of the best advice that you could give from your experiences how long do we have <laughs> we chat another four hours on this topic i think a couple a couple of real simple ones self-awareness is key i think understanding what you're good at and what you can do is really really important especially in the world of entrepreneurship like i could practice basketball until the cows come home I'm probably never going to be a basketballer, you, you know? So like being self-aware uh, enough on that, knowing what you can do and, and what, you're, what you may not be capable of doing or what comes easy to you. I think honing in on that for entrepreneurship is pretty key. It is a tough, tough, tough journey. So if you're already pushing uphill by doing things out of your skill set, then, then you're going to have a really tough time. And that a lot of the time comes down to what you're passionate about. You, you normally good at what you're passionate about. So finding something you're passionate about will help in that. I think also a couple other P words after we talk about passion is is persistence and patience. Patience to understand that it's not going to happen overnight. A lot of people look at thank you and be like, oh, I've only just heard of it. What an overnight success story that was. That's 10 years and counting of large sweat and tears. Like we didn't win a retail deal for the first three years. We were making no money. We knew the idea was good and we had the patience to kind of see it through. So you've got patience, passion, and then persistence. Push through, keep pushing, keep going. You know, fall down six, get up seven, like just keep going. If you're passionate enough about it and you have the ability to keep on going, then man, keep on going. It won't be easy. It will probably take twice as long as you expect it to, but man, just keep on going. It's all worth it though, isn't it, mate, really? Because if you really love something and you're really passionate about something and you do devote your time and energy to it and work hard, it's bound to pay off in one way or another and you learn a lot along the way. And I think so many people are so tired up on looking at what the end goal is like. Like I want to set up this business or I want to set up this charity and this is what I want it to do. And they miss the actual process of all that great stuff that happens in between, like the journey of getting there. You know, spending the three or four years on the ground and then getting to the first well to have a look at in your case and then hiring teams, moving into an office. This is all part of the process and it's something that I think a lot of people take for granted because they're always wanting the outcome rather than taking all the necessary systems and processes to get there. And I think, as you said perfectly, it takes a lot of great habits to be able to practice daily and it's the little the little habits that you practice every single day that add up to make a massive difference in your life and i think that's just important for for people to understand that and i think on the on the contrary for you mate i mean a theme that's come up throughout this discussion is the power of letting go the power of letting go of something that doesn't serve you anymore that doesn't serve you the same purpose or the same passion and and that's okay Mate, I'm scared of letting go in certain things in my life. I think we all are. Do you have any tips and tricks about letting go? Because I think that's something that we all struggle with. I haven't actually spoken to anyone yet in regards to a, a situation that you've been in 
where you started something so big, it's been so great, there's been a lot of wins, obviously been a lot of challenges along the way, but you eventually let go. And I think that process would have been, you know, it's interesting. I think there's more out there. Like I, I think I've I've served a great season and we've we've made a hell of an impact, even six million bucks, helped nearly a million people. Like it's been amazing. But but now I think there's more out there. I think I think I just come to the end of a season. It was hard. I'm not gonna say it wasn't hard. It was hard to let go. Like there was there was a lot of emotion and and a lot of tears. I think I started to realise the bigger picture in life though. Where I could I could disconnect myself from thank you and almost pull myself out of the call it a thank you bubble, like being in that internal world and, and look at what was happening in my life macro, like in my whole life. Look at my wife, my kids, everything that was kind of going on financially and, and go, nah, for for the sake of that, for the sake of my life, like I have to I have to make a change. And being okay with that, that took a while, like I'm talking two years of, of battling said thank you. Like it wasn't a, wasn't an, an overnight light bulbs on, let's go. Like it took a long time. Like it's your baby. So you want to, you want to hang in there as, as long as possible. But I got to a point where it's just, I almost gave myself permission. What I'm hearing you say is, and, and definitely please correct me if I'm wrong, but you got to a place where you're at peace with your decision over a couple of years and you decided that, your identity isn't just solely tied to one organization and you gave yourself permission to sort of say, you know what, not that I'm greater or I'm better or I'm, I'm more worthy than this, but it was for you, it's like, you know what, I'm at peace with it. I've done that season there. Now I'm going to step back. I'm going to transition into my next project and I'm going to give myself permission to invest into that. 100%. You said it much better than I, but, but you nailed it. And I think it was also a matter of, looking at where thank you was at as an organization and going, and I don't need a pat on the back for, for this selfless act, but it was almost like, I think there's someone else that could do this better now. I played my part and now for the sake of the organization, go forth, bring whoever needs to come in and let them take it to the next level. And I'm okay with that. Being in my position that I'm in right now and listening to you say this, I, f- I feel like that's a, a very, very strong leadership quality from yourself because I, I believe that no one's sort of better than anyone but i also believe that certain people are necessary at certain stages threaded life cycle or a journey that have different expertise or they have different skill sets and they serve different purposes and it's not that they're better than you or they're worse than you it's just the timing of life you're actually leading thank you to now take its next step to go into even bigger and better things and had you have restricted that and had you have, you know, shut the door on it and been resistant and been negative about it, you know, maybe it would never have gone to that level. So that's what I look at, you know, from a, from that perspective, mate. So I believe that you've done amazing work. You continue to do amazing work. I think, you know, your work has definitely in the Australian community never gone unnoticed. And I'm sure when you step foot into these third world countries where lack of clean water is, is an issue, I mean, those guys would be forever grateful to you and the work that your organization has done, mate, for eternity. It was amazing. It was a great experience, that's for sure. Before we wrap up, Jared, I do want to ask you a couple of quick questions. Where can people find you if they want to you know, search for you on social media or follow your journey with Narrative Lab? Uh, where can they find you, mate? And I'm also going to put all this stuff in the show notes too so that people can follow you and in the Facebook group as well, guys. So don't forget to join the Facebook group after this and we'll continue the conversation. 
Yeah, awesome. You can hear more about Narrative at, at Narrative Lab Fragrances on Instagram. Myself, you can hit me up at Jared Burns, J-A-R-R-Y-D Burns. There you will see lots of just photos of my family. <laughs> I'm that guy who just puts up photos of his kids and his wife and things are the most important thing to me. So it won't be the most interesting page, that's for sure. But um, if you want to see my fam, then, then come along. That's awesome. And I, I wish you all the best with your uh, your future endeavors, the work that you're currently doing right now. I appreciate you taking the time out to, to jump on the podcast, to share some of your wisdoms with all of us. Uh, no doubt it will add a lot of value into people's lives, mate. And I thank you for, for all that you've done for the world and you continue to do Thank you, mate. And, and same back to you. The work you guys are doing is just amazing. So it's, a, it's an honor to be a part of it. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com style.